0: Promotion and relegation could be coming to U.S. college sports. Plus, Washington, D.C. wants the Commanders back. It's Thursday, September 21st. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The commanders could be moving back to Washington, D.C. if things break right. Joining me now from the U.S. Capitol is senior reporter A.J. Perez. Welcome, A.J.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So uh, there was just a committee vote on the commanders. Tell us what's being voted on and kind of the status of that whole thing.
1: Well, this is like a big vote for the uh, to advance out of committee. It was in front of the House Oversight Committee. And uh, they just voted a few minutes ago, uh, 31-9 to advance the bill to a four vote Um and it kind of turned into a debate over public funding of stadiums. And this uh, we didn't know this was coming. Um, one of the members of this committee uh, submitted a, a uh, an amendment that would have barred public funding um, for a commander stadium if one is built. Now, this stadium bill does not. It, while while it does say, a, among other uses, including commercial, residential, there is there one of the options is to build a stadium. Obviously, that'd be for the Washington Commanders. But we're very early there. There's still a long way to go. You know, this beyond what happens here in Congress, the city council here in DC is it's a very it's it's gonna to lead to a pretty uh, tough debate. Um and there's nothing there's no assurances that that the that the site will be even even a favored place for the new ownership of the commanders to uh build their new stadium.
0: And so, yeah, obviously a lot of hurdles to, to get through here, but just out of curiosity, did you get any general sentiment from this House committee um, on, um, on how people feel generally about uh, public funding for stadiums?
1: Yeah, if there's one thing that came out of this, it uh, was actually to go back, is that there is now a three-way race for between Virginia, D.C., and Maryland. Representative Raskin from Maryland, the ranking member of the committee, Voted in favor of the amendment uh, that would have barred public funding um, for the stadium, which was kind of a shocking. It uh, was kind of uh, and then. Mario Bowser in an interview with us uh, and a couple other reporters took issue with that. Um, so there was uh, so there so there's that, and also you know there's 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 a lot of uh, you know there was a lot of overall just aiding on public funding. The Titans were brought up, the Buffalo Bills were brought up. That's about two billion dollars of public funding. That's that's right now being. Being used to construct those two stadiums,
0: right? And as you mentioned, the commanders are in a somewhat enviable, enviable position of having three different governments—basically Maryland, Virginia, and DC—all wanting a stadium, or you know, wanting to, to lure the team. Obviously, there's the question of how how much, how many millions or billions are they willing to to go there? But what do we know about that three way race?
1: Yeah, it's uh, pretty much uh, Virginia. A couple of weeks ago, passed a bill to study a stadium. Uh, authority, not a stadium yet. So a stadium authority. But that's a really it was only three hundred thousand dollars, a short-term bill. Um, and it's uh, and it's gonna basically kind of it's pretty much takes them up through next June uh, or this coming June of uh, 2024. And during that time there's gonna be a lot of lobbying for all from between uh, between all three of these jurisdictions. Uh, DC needs this bill to pass. they need needs need to pass the Senate they need government Biden to sign it. And they then they're a player. Right now, they're kind of really can't do much. They can't they, the RFK Stadium site, uh, you know. To they, they, they need to extend the lease, and they, they need to have control of the land or have some say over the land, and, and and that's why this bill was advancing like it has is is crucial to them. But we're gonna see you are gonna see a lot of uh, lobbying, and it's I don't think not much lobbying on behalf of by the commanders because like, I think right now at this point, there are, these three jurisdictions are coming to them. And even though it is so early in the process, we're probably not even a year from now, we may not know where it's headed. Uh, but over the next several months, there's going to be probably a front runner. And uh, then, you, like you mentioned, we're going to see how much public funding. There is There is still resistance towards public funding, but it seems like everywhere else in this nation, outside of maybe LA, but so far, uh, there's the NFL teams have never had an issue getting public funding. Uh, so... I think uh, I think one of the three is going to step up, maybe in a big way, and that could determine which where this next uh, likely dome stadium for the Commanders will be built.
0: And one of the reasons that uh, team you know, that these states and, and DC are willing to do business here is that Dan Snyder is out of the picture. Josh Harris is the the official, not Dan Snyder, owner. Uh, what do we know so far in the early days of the the Josh Harris era, what, what's this? What's the new look for the team?
1: It's the the new look is the old look right now. He hasn't made any changes. Uh, everything pretty much the only big change they made uh, while the sale process was going through was the hiring of Eric Bieniemy. Um, and obviously, the two zero Sam Howell, their their quarterback, their quarterback or, or second year quarterback, is it, uh, is looking m- looking decent. Um, the team's uh, came back on Sunday and they were able to win. Now they're now you know so there is a lot of people who are you know very very up on it now that this is extending Josh Harris's. Uh, basically, his um no, period of you know the whole uh, celebration period. Basically, um, you know he's uh, he got the team in July, and left them pretty much untouched from the front office and coaching staff, and obviously the players are kind of baked in when they took over the team. So there's this is going to be kind of a filling out year, but if it's a successful filling out year, it's going to be uh, you know they can they can build on top of that. Probably bring back Ron Rivera, the head coach. And 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 maybe this team stays about the same. It just but everything else around the team has changed. I mean, the feeling going to training camp. I haven't been to a game yet, but I've uh, seen the reaction. They've sold out Sunday's game already. Um, so two sellouts in a row, and we had forty or fifty years of sellouts here. Uh, so it's just kind of getting back to the tradition of what the word of this area, uh, back with Josh Harris and, he, and some of the other co-owners of the team, you know, who grew up here. You know, they've talked about the glory years and the glory years. So in this you know they, they're getting. This will take a while to get back there, but they have people excited in the area, and they've, and they've, there's no the doom and gloom that existed here in the last couple of years, and our dance is totally gone.
0: All right, new day in Washington. AJ Perez, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. The Jacksonville Jaguars are playing in London on consecutive weeks on October 1st and 8th. Those will be their 10th and 11th games in the UK. That will be more than double the next highest team, which is the Miami Dolphins, with five. The Rams have been there four times, and every other team is three or fewer. So the NFL loves to send the Jaguars across the Atlantic, but does not love putting them on primetime TV. Not counting playoff games? The Jaguars have been on Sunday Night Football zero times since 2006. They will finally break that streak in December against the Ravens, assuming they don't get flexed out of that game. For comparison, the Cowboys have been on Sunday Night Football over 40 times in that same time frame. As for Monday night, it's basically the same story. They will play the Bengals on Monday night on Week 13, and that will be their first MNF appearance in 12 years. Credit goes to Jay Kuda on Twitter for noticing all this. And let us know if you can explain why the NFL does not seem to want Americans to see the Jaguars and is doing everything they can to make them the UK's team. Heading across the country... Two sports teams are showing what happens when you embrace Oakland. Yes, the Raiders left for Vegas. The A's are trying to follow them while acting like they can't hear the chants in multiple cities of sell the team. And the Warriors went across the Bay to San Francisco, but the Oakland Roots and Oakland Soul aren't going anywhere. The Roots and Soul are the men's and women's teams in the United Soccer League, and they have the same ownership group, which includes NFL legend Marshawn Lynch, Ravens quarterback Josh Johnson, Green Day frontman Billy Joe Armstrong, rapper g Easy, and over 3,200 others. The team launched an investor drive where people could buy in for as low as $100 at a $78.2 million valuation and raised over $2 million in under a week. And on Tuesday, the Oakland City Council voted to give the Roots and Soul exclusive negotiating rights for a lease at the Malibu Lot, which is right next to the Oakland Coliseum where the A's play, with the aim to build a stadium there in time for the 2025 season. They would also neighbor the Oakland Arena, where the Warriors used to play, and which is one of the key selling points in Oakland's bid for a WNBA team. If the A's do manage to make it to Vegas, Oakland is also going to be a bidder for a new MLB team. So there's a world in which Oakland undergoes a three-team makeover in the course of a decade. Conference realignment has radically altered college sports and one executive thinks the new landscape calls for an even bigger change, promotion and relegation. Front office sports reporter Amanda Christovich has been breaking news on this story and we'll talk to her right after the break. A promotion and relegation system has been proposed in the college football world. Joining us now to explain is front office sports reporter Amanda Kristovich. Welcome, Amanda.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, so, yeah, my questions basically are what and why. So first, what? What, what is being proposed here?
2: Yeah, so... Um, a- one of the associate athletic directors at Boise state who handles NIL in addition to a slew of other things, as the conference realignment um, dominoes were falling in the last few months uh, sort of took it upon himself to come up with a proposal for what, you know, primarily group of five football and group of five sports could look like um, in the future and how, what they should look like and, um, And he um, wrote basically a presentation that was given, he gave to his athletic director who he signed off on and now it's being shared with athletic directors in and outside of the conference as well as Commissioner Gloria Navarez. So that's kind of like how it all came to be. The proposal itself is basically a 24-team kind of like alliance between multiple uh, Pacific central and mountain time zone schools. Um, so if there is a PAC 12, maybe PAC 12 or the PAC 12 leftovers, mountain West, AAC conference USA, right? Like those, those guys, um, could be part of this 2014 Alliance that would have three tiers. Um, and like, they do in European soccer Um, each eight team tier would change each each year based on performance. The, you know, the last place team in tier one would be relegated to tier two and the winner of that championship in tier two would jump up to tier one. Right. And there would be performance bonuses and bonuses for being in a certain tier in addition to like a base level um, financial incentive. But this would only be for football. And it would allow the rest of Olympic sports that don't generate as much money and that play more games in a week to not have to, um, travel coast to coast. Like is now the case with, you know, the power, the four power conferences that have, with the exception of really the sec that now are forcing like everyone from volleyball to softball to gymnastics, you know, to literally like fly 3000 miles, um, when they're not making money anyway and they those athletes may not be able to get a charter flight some you know things like that so that's the gist of the proposal at this point
0: so this would essentially be a brand new conference it would amalgamate a bunch of other conferences um and and do this is that the idea
2: yeah yes and no like i would lean a little more towards no because It seems that there may be a little reshuffling of Olympic sports, but generally the Olympic sports would be kept in their existing conferences, um, which means that generally the conferences would stay the same. It's more of like a football alliance with three, like, tiers, right? Um, So all the other sports would be part of that. And, you know, Mike Walsh, who wrote the proposal, told me that, like, The name of the tiers or the name of the of the football league doesn't really matter because I asked him, like, would it be the new Pac-12, for example? Right. Um, He said it doesn't really matter. Theoretically, tier one would hopefully be considered a power football conference. Right. But, um, yeah, it's it's weird It's, 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 it's not a clear yes or no answer.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and one thing I'm honestly still figuring out, how would this save those other sports from having to travel so much if they're basically staying in their, their own conferences?
2: Good question. Because in their current conferences in the group of five, it's relatively regional. Um, they, it's really not as bad as like the coast to coast travel that, the power four, let's call them, or, you know, three of the power four conferences are going to make athletes do. Um, the mountain West, for example, I mean, it's in the name, right? It's like largely, it's a regional conference, right? So keeping the status quo there would be a good thing rather than, you know, They want to create a lucrative television product that is going to get everybody money and keep stability, and that requires reshuffling perhaps, but it's there's no requirement for reshuffling of Olympic sports. That's okay as it is, if that makes sense.
0: But they're kind of getting swept up in the college football realignment because that's where all the money is. Got it. Right okay. in
2: conferences, so like Stanford and Cal, for example, had to join the ACC, and all of their Olympic sports athletes are going to be traveling cross country often. You know, I don't see how they're not going to be have to do that multiple times a week. You know, and that's because football money the pursuit thereof broke up the Pac-12. They had no home. They had to find one. The ACC was, you know, the one that wanted them the most and the one that they wanted the most, right? Um, It was a happy marriage for football, but all the other sports got, you know, got taken along with them. So this, you know, this, this tiered proposal, it's like everyone's talking about the idea of promotion and relegation in football, but I'd like to emphasize that the other part of that of the proposal that's important, is that it's like creating a scenario in which only football is changed and affected.
0: Yeah, I will probably never get over the fact that I live in Berkeley, you know, a mile from the Cal campus. If you're up high enough on that campus, you can see the Pacific Ocean. And now they're the in the Atlantic Conference. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the media side of this. Would we just have brand new media deals, basically, if this were to come to pass?
2: Yeah. So, like, if this concept were pursued or, like, I guess spearheaded by the Mountain West, for example, um, I spoke with Commissioner Gloria Navarrez yesterday, and she emphasized that all of the proposals that the conference is going to be considering, all of the ideas, all the creative thinking is going to be geared towards coming up with a solution or a blueprint in the next, like two for two years from now, when they're renegotiating their meteorite deal. right? That's what their goal is when their meteorite deal is up. That's when they want to have a new plan in place that is going to be more you know, valuable or lucrative within what they currently have. So I think that would be the timeline. And it's not to say that, like, I mean, yes, obviously this would require a new media deal, but it's also sort of being proposed because there will be a new media deal anyway. If that makes right,
0: sense. which is kind of what triggered all the conference realignment anyway yes, to begin so with. So
2: the chicken or uh, the egg, you know? Yeah, it's right.
0: And did you get a sense of how much enthusiasm there is for this? Is it, I mean, I imagine it's all just kind of like, we'll see, but, um, but yeah, do, do people kind of like this idea?
2: I mean, it's in its very early stages. It hasn't been shared with a ton of people. Nobody's voted on it at the conference level. Right. Um, I think in general, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who say, Hey, this makes a lot, this makes logical sense. Um, there are details to iron out with regards to revenue and, you know, access to the college football playoff, for example. Um, you know, but the thing about college sports is like, just because something is logical doesn't mean it's going to happen. And if anything in college sports, it's the opposite. So it's like, do I think this is a good, a good idea that should be explored in depth that they should try to accomplish my personal opinion, right? Yes do I think they're going to do it? Probably not because it's much easier to just grab two more schools and call it a day and keep and keep the status quo writ large. College sports has never done what is more logical um, and what may be easier in the long run if it might be more complicated in the short run.
0: Right. And, you know, Right. I think it is logical. And whenever the subject of promotion and relegation in the U S comes up, it's like, well, major league baseball is just like, it's a Goliath and then like triple A teams or whatever team you try to pull to be like the next league up to promote and relegate from. It's like, you know, it's like lions versus mice. It's like, it's not going to work out. Same with NFL, NHL, NBA, all that. Um, But like, you know, the, ninth best team in the mountain west or like you know in in the the western region versus the 10th or like the 15th versus the 16th That there's not a huge difference in program size revenue and you could see something like this working where it's more of a continuum from the bottom to the top without these giant gaps in the middle so yes it could work and right it just seems like probably a little bit too weird for it to actually go through all the hurdles it would take to Actually, happened. Yeah,
2: and and I think um, I believe like somewhat when when you know I, I Mike was explaining the proposal to me. I believe he said something along you know it's pop, maybe somebody said this to him or maybe this was just a voice in my head. Honestly, I don't even remember <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Reporting from this, your head,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> covering this beat is exhausting, but I think it's accurate that it's like a couple years ahead of its time. Like it's a good idea. But everyone is so overwhelmed with the changes in college sports. And I wrote about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Amanda Kristovich, check out her story on frontofficesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We have big news and great interviews every weekday. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.